The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday the 13th of November. I'm Michael Bailey and today we're asking... Will the real Chelsea please stand up? It validates their recent progress under Pochettino even more than the win over Tottenham. Which Bundesliga record has Harry Kane broken now? Another weekend, another goal-scoring record for Harry Kane. He's now scored 17 goals in 11 Bundesliga games. And why did Kylian Mbappe score a hat-trick but not win favour from his manager? I think there are elements that are not quite there yet for the manager, off the ball work in particular, doing more than the goals. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. It was a busy old weekend of football, so let's bring you up to speed, starting with the Premier League. There were a couple of surprising defeats on Saturday, including this at Molyneux. Sarabia and Lamina has won it for Wolverhampton Wanderers. Wolves scored twice in added time to complete a comeback win over depleted Tottenham. And with that, Ange Postacoglu has gone from being an unbeaten manager to suffering consecutive defeats. They're also set to be without James Madison and Mickey van der Ven for the rest of the year through injury. Here's our Tottenham correspondent, Charlie Eccleshare. I think there's no getting away from how big an effect it's had, the absentees. And obviously Romero and Udogi suspended. And then van der Ven being injured and Madison being injured. You know, van der Ven, that pace he has allows Spurs to really push up and squeeze the opposition. Makes such a difference, losing both him and Romero. Yeah, that was just two losses they couldn't really absorb. Certainly not in the Wolves game. Ultimately, it cost them. And Madison, you know, he's been so vital for Tottenham with his goals and assists and just everything he does for the team. He's one of the vice captains along with Romero. So it has made a huge difference. You know, every team has injuries. Uh, It's part of football. We always thought Spurs with a relatively small squad, it would hurt them. And it has. It's just, you know, the fact that they've had this cluster of injuries has meant it's been even more pronounced. Thanks, Charlie. I wonder how our own Tim Spears reacted to those final minutes. Meanwhile, on the South Coast... That was Kieran Trippier arguing with a supporter as another injury hit club lost on Saturday. This time it was Newcastle United who were beaten 2-0 by Bournemouth. So far from the homecoming Eddie Howe was hoping for. Then on Sunday, we were treated to a Premier League classic. The top scorer in the Premier League adds one more to his tally and the leaders are in front at the bridge. Gallagher and the header from Thiago Silva. Oh, it's fallen for James. Sterling scores against his old club. Chelsea have turned this on its head. And Haaland smuggles City back in front. 90 seconds into the second half. Jackson! This terrific game takes another twist. Oh! Built it in! For the champions by Rodri! It's Breuer. It's a big chance for Breuer. Is that a penalty? Yes! It is Paul Palmer. City's boy is Chelsea's man. Both sides had their share of the lead, but in the end, Chelsea and Manchester City drew 4-4 at Stamford Bridge. The point was enough to keep City top ahead of Liverpool and Arsenal, who beat Brentford and Burnley respectively. Tottenham dropped to fourth, while Aston Villa's win over Fulham gives them daylight in fifth. But you still have to go down to tenth before you find Chelsea, which seems remarkable based on their latest performance. Liam Toomey covers Chelsea for The Athletic and he joins us now from Stamford Bridge. Liam, 
What marked out this game from what Chelsea have managed since Maurizio Pochettino took over in the summer? Well, first of all, the quality of the opposition. I mean, Manchester City are a test unlike anything else in the Premier League, even when they are making more mistakes than I think a lot of people would expect them to make. I think the the driving rain throughout at Stamford Bridge had a had a big impact on both teams. But Chelsea raised their game to the level of their opponents, just as they did actually against Liverpool, against Arsenal. They did make mistakes and gave away goals. But in the end, I think this is probably the biggest morale boost they've had this season, I think, in this difficult, difficult season. It, it validates their recent progress under Pochettino even more than the win over Tottenham. Yeah, there were so many top performances, Liam. I, I really wish Raheem Sterling was back playing for England the way he showed up. Uh, who shone for you? Sterling was immense. I can't remember the last time a left winger gave Kyle Walker so much trouble. And then even when he was moved over to the right in the frantic final minutes of the match, he still had the composure to to find a pocket of space, get his head up and find Armando Breuer in the box to create the situation that led to the penalty. And then, of course, from the penalty itself, every spot kick that Cole Palmer has taken for Chelsea so far, there have been four of them, have been high pressure than the last. Um and this one was absolutely massive. City players were crowding the referee, trying to make it, giving it his, him as much time to think and overthink as possible. And it was still absolutely nervous. And for me, that capped another brilliant individual performance from Palmer. I thought he and Sterling were absolutely superb. But there were there were positive performances all over the pitch, Chelsea. I thought Mark Correa recovered from giving away that penalty uh, to Erling Haaland early on to be to be very solid at left back. Conor Gallagher was superb in centre midfield boundless energy forcing lots of mistakes from City Reese James gave 60 minutes at what looked like full power which is absolutely vital for Chelsea they need 90 minutes from him in the long term but I think they'll take 60 for now there were there were far far more positives than negatives for Chelsea even if at the end they take a point finally it, it was a team performance like this that means there's kind of no excuse for Chelsea to be flapping around in mid-table, is there? Yeah, I mean, the only caveat is that in the last two matches, they've played against two teams that are very happy to defend on the halfway line and give them loads of space to attack in behind. And the, the teams they've had trouble with this season have have operated exactly the opposite way and really sat deep and frustrated them. There will be more of that type of problem for Chelsea in the future. And they will probably struggle with that again at times because this is a young team. You can't expect total consistency week after week. But I think there's a broader pattern now over the last six or seven games that Chelsea are trending upwards. Whether it's in time to dig themselves out of the top four, top five hole that they've got themselves into, we'll have to see. But there are still a lot of games to be played and Chelsea's starting to look like a real team. Thanks, Liam. And remember, you can hear more from him and the crew this week in our dedicated Chelsea podcast, Straight Out of Cobham, available wherever you're listening to us right now. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Right, let's leave England and head into Europe starting in Spain. Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. grabbed a brace each as Real Madrid thrashed Valencia 5-1 at the Bernabeu. And they did it without Jude Bellingham, who was out with a shoulder injury. We'll see if that also takes him out of England duty this week. Barcelona also won at home. It's Lewandowski. And he fires it in. Outstanding penalty. And Barcelona, the champions, have made... A comeback to show the spirit of a champions team. They came from behind to beat Alaveth thanks to a Robert Lewandowski double. However, it's Girona who remained two points clear at the top of La Liga after winning 2-1 at Rayo Vallecano. 
On to Italy, where Inter leads Serie A with Juventus close behind. But AC Milan blew a two-goal lead at home to Lecce, and it was worse for defending champions Napoli. They lost 1-0 at home to lowly Empoli. As for Germany, Bundesliga fans were treated to the now familiar sound of this. There is Harry Kane! You just know when the ball comes Kane's way, it's going to be a goal for Bayern. Yes, Harry Kane scored another two goals as Bayern Munich beat Heidenheim 4-2. So what level of the Bundesliga video game is Kane on now? Here's our German football expert, Seb Staffer-Bloor. Another weekend, another goal-scoring record for Harry Kane. He's now scored 17 goals in 11 Bundesliga games. The record he's breaking this weekend is that previously Robert Lewandowski managed 16 in 11, so he's he's bettered that by one. A couple of goals against Heidenheim. The first, a really, really sweet turn on the edge of the box and a curling finish. The second is kind of stooping header from a corner typical Harry Kane fair Christoph Freund Bayern sporting director set off the game that Kane is a phenomenon uh, and praised his ability to to kind of translate to German football being away from home being away from the Premier League for the first time Thomas Tuchel was actually in quite a good mood certainly compared to to last weekend after the game against Borussia Dortmund and said uh, doesn't really need to say anything else that the the games tell their own story and that's about right Kane just looks absolutely lethal at the moment and Week by week, he's just more involved in a lot of what Bayern are doing in different areas of the pitch, not just the penalty box. But they paid 100 million euros for him to score goals, and he is certainly doing that. Thanks, Seb. It's not Bayern that are top, though. That's Bayer, as in Leverkusen and as in Javi Alonso. His side won 4-0, condemning Union Berlin to a ninth successive league defeat. Let's finish in France, where after a poor start to the season, Paris Saint-Germain are now top of Ligue 1. Their fifth successive win was a 3-0 victory at Rams. Kylian Mbappe got all three, yet his manager, Luis Enrique, wasn't full of praise for his hat-trick hero. Peter Rutzler covers PSG for The Athletic and he joins us now. Peter, it's not often a manager isn't full of praise when their striker scores a hat-trick. What was all this about? I think Luis Enrique was keen to try and just temper the excitement a little bit of of Mbappe scoring another hat-trick. I think the performance itself against Rams was was not perfect by any stretch. They struggled in the first half. In fact, they struggled for a lot of the game. And if it wasn't for Gianluigi, John Rimmer in goal, they may well have lost. You know, Will Stillsider, really aggressive. They pressed really well. Um, and it was not until a halftime change that PSG actually took a hold of the game, despite scoring really early with a brilliant Kylian Mbappe goal. Um, it's very much a work in progress still for this team. I think there are elements that are not quite there yet for for the manager and I think Mbappe is part of that and I think part of that is off the ball work in particular doing more than the goals because I think everyone knows how prolific Mbappe is in front of goal um, and his ability there and I think Luis Enrique was just tempering expectations a little bit. It's rare we talk about Mbappe without talking about his future. He's out of contract in the summer. Is it right to think that issues like this will make it more likely he'll be moving on? I'm not sure. I think I think there is also an element of just thinking about the context of the interview. You know, he was speaking on Amazon Prime, French on French TV. Uh, he was asked a question in English and responded in English. And of course, Spanish is his, his first language. And I think he, the emphasis was very much on just trying to get more out of him, and not you know, yes, he scores goals, but for this team and the way he wants to play, you know, there, there, there's more to to his role. You're right. I mean, conversations about Mbappe's future are ever present. Um, 
and you know there's been more rumblings about that recently you know talk about january and whether anything could happen there or, or, or indeed what's going to happen in the summer when his contract expires you know he didn't trigger that extension clause in the summer had all that drama with being put in the, the bomb squad more or less and obviously now things look a lot more rosy i don't think this in particular will play much of a bearing but of course depending on how it all pans out i'm sure it will be reflected on in some way I'm sure it will, Pete. We know they made a slow start and they lost to AC Milan in the Champions League in midweek, but PSG have been much improved recently and seem in a better place now. You know, it's very much a work in progress for, for Luis Enrique's team. This weekend, the victory over Rams was not perfect. They're, the difference was the quality of their finishing and the quality of their goalkeeper, but it also sent them top of the league for the first time this season. And we've seen, you know, after the, the defeat to Newcastle, they put together a very, very strong run of form. They're good at home. And there's, there's still a long way to go in terms of what Luis Enrique wants tactically. The Mbappe comments completely play into that, I think. Um, and, you know, so did the result in, in Milan. That was a prime example of it where you have a coach who wants control, total dominance of the ball, and yet he ends up with what he called a tennis match. That's the complete opposite. So there's still a long way to go. I think there are still you know, pieces that need to be fit together right. It, it's moving forward, um, but, you know, there are, there are still lots of areas that they need to improve, certainly if they want to be the, the finished outcome that they intend to be and, and do well both in Europe and, and domestically. Thanks, Peter. So that's the weekend's fun covered off for you. We're now heading into an international break for club football, so you'll find a shortage of games to watch tonight. So why not take the night off and spend 90 minutes reading some of the quality journalism on The Athletic? Subtle little plug for you there. Uh, But that's all for today's briefing, and we didn't even get to mention VAR until then. Thanks for listening. I've been Michael Bailey. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman, and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Tim Spears will be with you tomorrow. In the meantime, have a great start to your week. The Athletic.